You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another episode of the Doing the Work podcast, as tonight we discuss some new activity for the IU women's basketball team. I'm your host, Jeff Marlowe, here with my co-host, Kathy Amos, and today we're here with you for another edition of Doing the Work, the new show on the Back Home Network dedicated to covering IU women's basketball. Today, we will catch up on some news, and then we'll be discussing the way-too-early top 25, the possible 22-23 schedule, and finally, uh, answering a few of your questions. As we do most shows, we start our show with our banner moment. And tonight's banner moment occurred on June 3rd, when Terry Morn announced the hiring of Linda Sayavangchan as her new assistant coach. And I believe I pronounced that right, Sayavangchan, and I'm just going to refer to her as Coach Sai, Kathy. And she's been hired as assistant coach and recruitment coordinator. She comes from Creighton, uh, where she spent the last seven seasons in the same role. She has worked with both guards and post players at Creighton. And the Blue Jays made three NCAA tournaments, including this past season, where they upset Iowa on their way to their first ever Sweet 16 and Elite Eight appearance before losing to South Carolina. Prior to Creighton, she spent two years at St. Louis, one year at North Dakota, and three years at her alma mater, Drake, welcome to Bloomington, Coach Cy. Our banner moment is sponsored by Homefield Apparel. Did you know that among all the t-shirts Back Home has available, they have one specific to IU staff member Allie Patberg, former Hoosier, showing off her passion. Yep, just go to homefieldapparel.com and search for Allie. And if you support other college teams or have people in your life who do, Homefield probably has something for them too. Their product line now extends to more than 120 different schools with unique vintage logos for all of them. Go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, to get 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off. And once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. So, Kathy, uh, I'm going to start off with a little bit of uh, passing you. You brought this up last week and, and uh, about Alexa Golbe signing uh, with Avenida in, in Salamanca in the Spanish League. Uh, and, and then it got me to doing some some research about the Spanish Women's League um, that you know, Salamanca, um, uh, the Avenida team is one of the best. In, in maybe the best in Spain. They ranked, they won the league last year. They were 28 and two during the season. They've captured five of the last six playoff titles in Spain, and they've been in the playoff finals 16 straight years. So that's quite a, a quite a, a place for Alexa to have ended up. Yeah, absolutely. I read those notes that you're able to find, and that was great because before our show last week, I was actually trying to find some more information. And it just, I find it very, either I don't know how to, do Google searches or it's just elusive to me. I'm not, I'm not sure which we can go with maybe a combination of both, but I was really excited when I saw those stats from her um, and that, that team. And I thought that was, that's really exciting for her. And so it'll be great to see if we can get information as they, you know, proceed into their season next year to see how she fits into that team, especially being one of the premier premier teams in that league. Yeah. And, and when you look at it, um, you know, that's probably a good place for her to maybe to get her career started where she won't ex maybe be expected as a, a former American college player to maybe come in and carry the load. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, I know I saw her roster somewhere, but I didn't recognize any of the names. So um, I, I'm just intrigued by the whole thing. So I, I, I think I mentioned last week on the podcast too, Spain is one of the favorite places I've been. So, um, and of course, with your next headline, I won't steal. Um, I think maybe I right. plan a plan a trip to Spain next year. <laughs> uh, which is interesting because uh, you're talking, we'll get to that in a second, but just for our fans who aren't as familiar with Spain, and I didn't know exactly where Salamanca was, it's in the western part of Spain, more toward the Portuguese border. So she'll be, a, you know, kind of away from a Barcelona, even, you know, farther away from Madrid than than maybe people, you know, familiar with Barcelona and Madrid. Also, I'll put in here that the Spanish league playoff is very similar to the NBA playoff system. It's a, but everything's best of three. So you, your first seed plays the eight and, and play best of three and so on. But then to change it up a little bit this year, because but also like European soccer, they have relegation. So if you're the bottom two teams in the league, you get relegated down a league, almost like if if you're the two worst teams in the NBA get relegated to the G League and the two best teams from that league 
promote up. So there is some obviously back and forth movement there a little bit. But I did I did want to put this out there. Um, the website I found this information on was Eurobasket.com, and I found I think you can find a lot of European uh, information there. For example, I know his season's over now, but for if we, if he were going back, Jordan Halls, I think you could find more information about his team. And and there were some questions in the community about where you could watch these games. And I'm not sure if you can watch here, but you probably can at least follow your, uh, at this website. And that's Eurobasket.com is where I found that information. And then, Kathy, I'll kind of let you take the lead on this one. But yesterday, another big announcement for one of our Hoosiers. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of dovetailing, I, I kind of alluded this um, mm -hmm. when we were talking about Alexa, but Nicole Cardano Hillary also signed a contract with the Spanish League. Um, she is um, playing with IDK Uskroton in San Sebastian. Um, San Sebastian, also for those of us that are geographically challenged, especially in our Spanish geogra geography, San Sebastian is in the northeast corner and part of the Basque country up there. So in terms of the, the team, not quite as um, high as what um, Alexa's team is, but um, IDK did finish seventh last year in their league as well. And um, interesting, I the same website um, you were talking about, uh, they actually have Nicole penciled in as a starter as their starting point guard. So again, um, very excited to have yet another player going overseas and um, trying to make a, a go of it in the professional realm. So um, I had a question for you, Jeff. I wasn't quite sure, but is there any possibility that their two teams would play each other then? Do you, were you able to figure that out? They'll play twice. They each they'll team, twice. And the, it's, it's, like I said, a very similar to kind of the European soccer model from that standpoint, Kathy. Every team, you get a home and home, not necessarily right back to back, but you'll play sure. once at their place, once at your place. And then, that, so they'll play against each other twice. And I was just going to say that I didn't have it in the notes, but I guess for our Hoosier fans, our, our, our workaholics, you know, if we're really trying to catch, you know, watch a game, maybe see, figure out, follow the schedule and see when Avenida and IDK are playing each other just to yeah. see if those two go up against each other in the game. But I really was amazed. I mean, yesterday, they just announced her signing around noon yesterday. And I was looking this up around five-ish, six-ish uh, here Central Time in Rensselaer. And that Eurobasket site already had her marked as being a starter, um, yeah. which was I thought was kind of ironic because Lex signed a week or so ago, maybe 10 days ago, and she hadn't really kind of been fitted into whether it was you know a starter or a reserve. I highly doubt she's going to be penciled in as a starter, but they hadn't even listed her other than just being on the roster. So um, that was, you know, I thought that was interesting that somebody over there with IDK really thinks uh, a lot of Nikki to pencil, or at least on that website, to pencil her in as a as a starter, you know, yeah. on the day she signed. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, and somebody, um, I I feel like they did their homework on on Nikki. That's that's what I'm going with for sure. And you know, she's bringing a lot to the table, and um, definitely her defense, as we know. So, if same thing there, I'll be very excited to see if we can follow them. Whether it's just on Twitter or, or not, but see if we can follow their careers over there as they start um, branching out. And then yesterday also, Grace Berger and incoming transfer uh, Alyssa Gary announced deals with Campus Inc. Uh, for those of our fans who haven't been following along, Campus Inc. has actually been around for a long time. But now with the NIL uh, becoming a big part of the game, uh, Mark Cuban has put a ton of money I, I don't know if I should say alum. I, I'm never quite sure. Is he actually an alum or just yeah. a super fan? You know? No, he's an alum. Yeah. Okay, because I, I saw someone sometimes said he hadn't graduated, and, I, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Mr. Cuban, so I'm going to call him alum then. Yeah. Uh, but IU alum Mark Cuban has sunk a lot of money into Campus Inc., and and maybe some, and some of our fans saw this because I saw some comments in the, uh, in the community yesterday about um, Grace and Alyssa and a couple, I think um, – a couple of the guys as well. I want the Jay, uh, Jalen Hutchfino and Malik Renault also have signed with Campus Inc. But they're they're selling jerseys, and I believe that's just basically a T-shirt that looks like a jersey, or at least has the Indiana with the number and then the name of the player on the back. Whereas right now, a true Indiana jersey obviously doesn't have the name on the back. But um, it, it's there's going to be other apparel. I did look at it. It's the NIL store. And I looked at that website today and they didn't have anything quite there yet, but I would imagine it'll take a little bit of time, but I would imagine you're going to see a lot more than just those two, who, uh, those two uh, IU women's players in the NIL store. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I, I I was kind of surprised that Alyssa Geary was one of the first two, actually, from the mm -hmm. women's team. I think applause to her for sure, but may, trying to get herself out there and recognize and everything by the fans right away. But I thought for sure I would have thought um, our two dynamic duo that we think of, of Grace and um, McKenzie would have been our two. So um, I thought that that was very interesting to me. So I'm very excited for them. And I'm, I'm with you, Jeff. I think this is just we're going to see most of the players probably um, get some kind of deal to at least try to sell the jerseys, I guess. I've never heard that term. That was a new one for me. So I never had um, either. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm assuming it's like a, a t-shirt that um, has their number and their name on the back and some kind of logo on the front. So yeah, I thought that was really cool. Kathy, I'll just give you an opportunity. Is there anything you'd like to add to these, these kind of these three bullet points that we started off with or anything else maybe I missed that's newsworthy? Yeah, I, I think um, I think I've commented on all of them except for Coach Sai and her hiring, and um, I don't have a whole lot to add there other than yeah, I'm I'm kind of excited. There are you know as again for those of our people that have been listening for all know that I live in Des Moines, so it's kind of neat to have somebody with um, ties to the area. She actually graduated from high school in Des Moines as well, um, one of our public high schools here. Um, so I thought that was really cool to see someone from Lincoln High School here in Des Moines that has made you know a great career of it in women's basketball um, and staying you know staying still in the Midwest area. You know she's been at Creighton and um, playing at Drake here. Um, the the farthest away I guess she's gotten is North Dakota. So I, I'm just pretty excited from her after reading some of her. You know she's worked. She started out I think with the the smaller players and then moved to the big. So she has experience coaching on both. And it looked like she had some really great comments from other folks as well around her recruiting skills. So I think this is a seems like at least on paper a really great hire for us. So I'm pretty excited for her to be added to the staff. And I will say the last week I was on here predicting that uh, Tyra Buss would be would not to be surprised if Tyra Buss filled that spot. Obviously, I was off on that, but congrats uh, to Coach Sai and welcome, like I said, to Bloomington. And I think, uh, but again, I like that hire Terry, or for, for Terry Moore just because she went out and I'm not saying it's going to correlate. But she picked off somebody from Creighton who has had experience at Division yep. One level, a lot of experience at Division One level, and obviously we struggled with Iowa last year, and maybe she can bring something that will help us with Iowa this coming season. Right, that's true because she coached Creighton, and um, again, for those of you who follow women's basketball and watch the tournament, Creighton knocked off Iowa last year in the tournament. So um, I watched that game. That was that was something that that Creighton team could shoot the ball. So um, I, I was pretty excited to. To see that too and not only beat them but basically kept it to a pretty low scoring yeah. game for iowa yeah that's true and yeah i mean it got close there um for a while but they did open it up um in parts of that game so yeah maybe she, maybe she's got the the key which i'm i'm sure we'll get to and our next uh topic is going to be very important to figure out how to unlock um that iowa team so and so we, we'll move on and we're going to take a look at the way too early top 25. And unlike the men's uh, basketball side, the women's doesn't have a ton of way too early. Uh, but Charlie Cream at ESPN has put out a couple different versions, one pre-portal and one kind of post-portal that I thought was really interesting. And so we'll use his list. Now, I'm not going to go through the entire top 25, Kathy. I just thought I'd hit the yeah. top 15 and then the, the Big Ten teams that were also in there. Um, but it's kind of still the story in women's basketball. And this will kind of get where maybe, you know, because we have a question later on that we're going to answer about uh, the NCAA tournament when we take some questions from our workaholics in the community. Um but it's still kind of a blue blood list. When you really look at the teams here in the top 10, 12, 15, there's a few. Indiana's in this list, but that you wouldn't necessarily maybe consider a blue blood for a long period of time. But Indiana has definitely earned their way in here. So at number one, uh, ESPN had South Carolina. Uh, number two, UConn, which that didn't surprise me at all. I was a little surprised UConn wasn't number one. Three, Stanford. Four, Texas. Five, Iowa, which is the highest rated Big Ten team. Number six, Tennessee. Number seven, Notre Dame. Eight, uh, eight Iowa State, another team right in your backyard pretty much. Uh, mm -hmm. Nine, Louisville. Ten, North Carolina. And then Charlie Cream and ESPN had Indiana at 11. Uh, 12, North Carolina State. 13, Oklahoma. 14, Virginia Tech. And then 15, Ohio State. So three Big Ten teams in that top in that top 15 let's stick with that for a second kathy i wasn't surprised by those three nor pretty much the order but i think those are the three teams we're going to see toward the top of the big 10 race this year yeah i, I that's uh, me too um 
And wait, real quick, before I throw no. it back to you, I'll throw it back to you. But then yeah. Maryland was 16. So yeah. the top four were in the, the, the top 16 had four. And I think those, Maryland retooled, give Brenda Freeze credit in the portal. She did a pretty good job of rebuilding that roster. But I think those are the four teams you're probably going to see fighting it out at the top of the Big Ten. Yeah, I agree, Jeff. You actually, that's exactly what I was just going to say. And knocking on the door of the top 15 is Maryland. Um, I think the biggest surprise for me was Maryland, um, to be honest with you, I, because um, they lost so much to the, to the transfer portal. Um, so, you know, they already had lost them last year. And of course, she was able to retool, but then to turn around this year and they lost both um, Angel Reese and um, Awusu, I just thought that those seemed to be really huge holes to, to fill on that team in particular because I I didn't feel last year they were particularly that deep. But yeah, I mean, credit to Free, she went out to that that portal and, and she's bringing in a lot of players, including one, Abby Myers, that might ring familiar to those, um, familiar with the team last year that we beat barely <laughs> in the NCAA tournament to get the Sweet 16 from Princeton. And Abby was a really fantastic player in the game that I was able to watch of her. So it'll be interesting to see how they were able to take the, I think they had four four players that came in um, through the transfer portal and see how they can fit them in to replace the two that they lost in recent awards. But yeah, in terms of the order, not surprised at all with Iowa being there in the top five. I mean, um, they probably would have been top five as it was with just having, um, you know, their two returning players of Sedano and, um, and of course, uh, sorry, Clark. Clark, goodness complete brain freeze but You're then fine. they go on they add in um you know kate martin martin and a few other transfers as well so um i, I just think that's an interesting um interesting team that we're going to have to definitely watch out for and i'm kind of started with like you started with maryland uh they were kind of an ugly breakup with reese and Owusu when they yeah, left i they mean there was not very kind comments in their statements that when they were leaving um toward the program um, but like you said, give, and I said as well, more, um, uh, Brenda Freeze did a nice job of finding and maybe finding fits for, especially this coming year and to try and bridge the recruiting a little bit. Uh, and again, like you said, the girl from Princeton, who I really was impressed with when I went back and watched some of the NCAA tournament after I got back from my trip to Spain and, and didn't get a chance to see those first couple round games. Um, she, you know, that Princeton team, and I, and I want to say they were in the top, in that list of the top 25 in there. So they're, again, they're well-respected as well. So, um, but I agree. I thought Iowa, you know, it's hard to say that I would think I was better than, te than Stanford or UConn or South Carolina, maybe yeah. Texas, but, uh, I think they got Iowa, at least based on with all they have coming back, the, you have to assume she's going to be a favorite or a co-favorite of Paige Becker's. Mm -hmm. to be the preseason player of the year nationally. Yeah. I think that pretty much puts them in there. Um, before talking about IU, kind of look at that next group, Kathy. Um, kind of an interesting mix. Tennessee, kind of an old blue blood, but hasn't has not been a blue, kind of like IU men, has really kind of lost after mm -hmm. Pat Summit retired and unfortunately passed away, kind of lost, you know, their their aura. Um, but now back in the top six, Notre Dame had a down year a couple years ago, but now went back to the Sweet 16 this year. I've always been a big fan of Bill Finelli at, at Iowa State and, and, and thought that they've had a very good program. And then you throw in Louisville and North Carolina. And then so I'll go back to there. You have Notre Dame, Louisville, Carolina, three ACC teams in that group of five. And we'll yeah. call it, we're going to talk about scheduling here a little bit. So I'm not going to try and take away from that. But some interesting teams in that list that aren't very far from Bloomington. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, the Notre Dame one in particular is intriguing to me and I won't get into them a whole lot, but um, until we, you know, get into scheduling and some matchups and things perhaps, but um, not surprised at Iowa State being in that top 10 either. They, they have been perennially here, um, you know, a very uh, reliable team, if you will, getting into the NCAA, um, being at the top of the Big 12 um, for very, very consistent amount of time. So, you know, they, uh, I think that eight might be surprising at the end of the year if we don't see them actually move up um, from what I know about them. So, um, you know, well, it's so hard to know right now. Of course, that's why it's way too early. But um, those two in particular, I think, are intriguing to me in that top, you know, six through 10, 10 range. So um, I'll be excited to watch those two. We're, and so let's talk about the Hoosiers. Were you surprised by the IU women at 11 or maybe surprised they were that low? 
Either way, were you surprised? Uh, yes, I, I would say I'm, I'm still a little surprised that they were actually that high. Um, you know, they, they are coming off a back-to-back -back Sweet 16, but again, I just, I think we have a lot of open questions for our team. And in my mind, there's, there's really three. Um, are we going to be able to, to shoot the ball a little better? I think we, you know, filled some gaps with Sarah Scalia coming in that, and um, Sydney, Sydney Parrish that hopefully will fill that gap. Um, are we going to be able to play deeper? than just, you know, we're mainly six people, six um, players last year, little seven dabbling here and there. I just think we have to play deeper. And I think my biggest question mark for this team and why I'm not quite sure I feel 11 is, is appropriate is just the chemistry. I mean, we are losing um, so many people, you know, three of our five starters from last year and three major contributors. And I know we're bringing in some great transfers and we have a really good freshman class coming in. But just because they look great on paper doesn't mean the chemistry is going to be there. Um, and I know Coach Morin loves to hang her hat on defense. And that's so, you know, based on communication and talking with each other. The, those are my three big question marks that made me, for, for me, I'm not sure I would have put them quite so high. Yeah, I kind of agree with you there. I thought maybe IU would rank in there between 15 and 20. I thought mm -hmm. maybe a little better spot slotting for them. I think two things here that Charlie Cream has given credit to. I think Terry Morton has proven that she can win games and, and with her philosophy and her style. And I think it speaks well to what Charlie Cream thinks of what Mackenzie Holmes and Grace Berger bring to the program. Um, yeah. That you bring back essentially – two all big 10 players before McKenzie got hurt, she probably would have been an all big 10 player um, and then possibly two all Americans. So I think that speaks to that, but I agree with you. I think the chemistry will be something we have to see early in the season. Um, you got to try and you know, uh, learn to put the new pieces of the puzzle together. And then I think the other part you said is defense. Uh, I will be interested to see if maybe we give just a little bit on the defensive side to get a little more offense and and play maybe also will we play and i know we scored a lot of points but there were times when i felt like we kind of grinded yeah. games because that was a style that could win with the roster we had but will we play just a little bit faster will we try to push the consistent tempo to a mid to mid to high 70s offensive and then you know or maybe even a low 80 and see what you can do from there. But I, I, that'll be something I'm interested in is just will we will we sacrifice a little bit of the defense? Because Allie and Nikki and Lex were such great defensive players. Everybody wants to look at their points. And again, I, I understand that. Sure. I was a scorer in high school. I, I, I like points. But um, <laughs> when you really think about those three, it yeah. was the it was their defensive uh, of capabilities, Lex who could guard three, maybe four spots. Nikki just doing everything we get accustomed to. Allie could guard two, and maybe a third spot if you needed to. So I think that's where you're going to really miss them and have to find a way to plug that gap with the incoming, the newcomers, whether they're recruits or transfers. Yeah, exactly. And then the other only other team from the Big Ten in the way too early top 25 for ESPN, Charlie Krim, was number 24, Nebraska. And I did like that because I think Nebraska is a team to kind of, that's kind of below the radar for most people nationally. But we saw this team last year beat Indiana in, in Lincoln, give us a tough game in Bloomington. So this is a team that really, if people aren't paying attention to, may surprise a little bit nationally. I'm not sure it will surprise a lot of us in the in the doing the work and the workaholics who who follow the program a little closer but i think they might surprise some people nationally yeah i absolutely agree with that and um you know i think nebraska is one that can can sneak up there on people in the big 10 as well if they're not paying attention mm -hmm. which i'm sure they will but, um from a coaching perspective but i mean they returned their top four scorers right from last year i think that's what i had read mm -hmm. um so you get your top four scorers back you already got team chemistry we already know that you know they came really close to beating other teams and not just us in the big 10 last year and then i just think that backcourt that they have um is so experienced together i think it i think they're going to be a tough team to, to play next year yeah and i and i don't want to speak too much about the rest of the big 10 yet we may save that for a little bit later in the summer yeah. or in the preseason but i think you will see kind of a big gap or not a big gap but you'll see a gap between the top let's say six maybe seven teams in the Big Ten, and then what's the bottom part of the Big Ten? I, I think Purdue has a chance maybe to move into that top six. But other than that, I think that bottom seven or eight is really going to be kind of a, a jumbled mess, and, and, and who finishes where I think will just have to play out. But I don't really see a group in there right now 
that can say all of a sudden catch lightning in a bottle and jump into that top four or five. Right. I, I agree. The other one I, um, you know, I needed to, to dig into more, of course, I know we'll probably break down the teams coming into the season when we get closer a bit as Michigan State. Um, I, I think that they're, they might, you know, again, I have to see who left and who's coming back, but um, I would think they would be probably one of the top, top half of the, the Big Ten. I don't think they'll, they'll crack the top five per se, but I, I think they could definitely make some some noise here and there and just maybe one or two games that surprise people, but, you know, like they did last year when um, they helped us out a little bit. So. Yeah. But the big loss there is Cloudon, who is right. the big time scorer. And again, what coach merchants been able to do, you know, with the portal, I haven't paid as much attention to. And that's why I said, I don't want to get too deep into that other part of the big 10, but we know the top five in the big 10 have the capability of being good teams. And if you look at where that, yeah, let's say IU holds, to that projection of 11, they will host a first round and second round game again next year. Yep. And that's huge. In the women's tournament, that's huge. It is. Yep. So, yeah. So. so, so speaking of some of those teams, the IU program, the athletic department hasn't released the upcoming schedule, but would have to suspect that we'll be, oh, I should, I, I kind of phrase this wrong. We will be part of the ACC Big Ten Challenge because there's only 14 Big Ten teams and there's 15 ACC. So there's one of the ACC teams that always gets left out. We played North Carolina State at home last year. And so I would expect us to be on the road. All right. So let's use that as a criteria before I throw this to you. Um, expect us to be on the road. Could play North Carolina State again, but I doubt it. I think you'll see North Carolina State get a, another one of those top tier Big Ten teams, maybe a Maryland because of the former ACC game there. But so here were the three I really thought were intriguing. Kathy, I'm going to kind of throw them to you. What do you think about Louisville? Um, I mean, they're clearly, and more about just playing them more than what you think of their personnel, but just about playing yeah, Louisville. Absolutely. Yeah. Louisville. Um, again, I mean, they're, they're in that very top echelon of the ACC. They finished second last year to NC state only lost two conference games. So, you know, if they're, they're going to replicate what they had last year. Um, and I'm trying to remember where they had them in the top 25, but I'm pretty sure they were in the top number, 10. Number nine. Number nine. Yes. I knew it was in the top 10. I couldn't remember exactly where. So you got a great top 10 matchup again, you know, we're knocking on the door of that top 10. And again, if we want to be that team that says we're going to get to the final four, you have to play teams like this. And then of course, you know, the proximity is always intriguing as well with uh, um, how close they are to where we're at and Grace is from Louisville. So I, I think that's an intriguing matchup for sure. That's a great point. And then, for example, going back to Louisville even more so, because like I said, I expect us to be on the road. So go to the Yum Center and play Louisville. What would really be a marquee matchup in that ACC Big Ten Challenge. Uh, and two teams that have not played a whole lot. I mean, I was looking a little bit. I don't know the entire history, but it's not like IU and Louisville women play every year or every other year. It's not something. But wouldn't, to me, that'd be a great rivalry to kind of get going for a little bit and maybe get something going because you're both kind of fighting for that same turf and recruiting, too. Yeah. Absolutely. So then we'll throw it to the ACC team that's inside the state. Yes. Notre okay. Dame. I, I really like this matchup for us. I, I, you know, I got to watch a bit of them, obviously, in the tournament last year. And I thought Notre Dame just played with an incredible amount of fire, discipline, and heart out there. It, and on top of it, they have, you know, their, their center, Lauren Ebo, who is, you know, again, it's a transfer in from Texas. So you never know how she's going to play. But she's 6'4" which right away gives McKenzie a very difficult matchup that's going to have to happen before she gets to the conference play. So um, I like this Notre Dame, you know, the matchup that I think it, it, would, it would bring us. Again, it would be a very interesting matchup, again, because we have a lot of transfers and they have a lot of transfers and who can get those teams to mesh. Um, on paper, it looks like they're obviously a top 10 team as well. So I think this gives us a great, um, great experience to have in that ACC challenge. Well, and, and also, again, probably on the road. So, but a team that like Notre Dame for years who dominated kind of the elite recruiting here in Indiana for the high school talent. Right. Um, and they kind of lost that a little bit. I And Terry Morton has picked up some of the, some of that slack a little bit, but I was thinking more along like, even if, what if they could figure a way and it probably have to be on campus, I'm sure, but wouldn't it be neat to say play IU women, Notre Dame women at the field house in Annapolis for the ACC Big Challenge? And you have Allie who, who went there as well. Right? <laughs> well yeah, that, 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 just imagine if Allie was still playing. Right. That would be even a no-brainer, wouldn't it, for her? <laughs> 
Um, and then the last one I kind of thought because of using the way too early top 25, North Carolina was right in front of us. I think I want to say they I think they finished third or fourth in the league last year. And we were technically fifth in the standings and were second in the tournament. So maybe they try to slot that four five type matchup, go to Chapel Hill. Kind of, you know, we don't think of IU North Carolina as a rivalry on the women's side, but obviously the men have had some great battles with them over the years. Yeah, I, I definitely don't know as much about North Carolina other than, you know, what I can find here. So, um, you know, top another top 10 matchup. So, you know, you lose some of that, those storylines that we talked about with Louisville or with um, Notre Dame. Um, but still, you know, another top 10 matchup is not something I think we would want to shy away from at all. And then... It just kind of some that was in my head, and I we, I kind of stole this from something that Coach Tonsoni and I did a few weeks ago on AC Radio, and just and again because we don't know the schedule, but and I'll kind of group these together. I kind of bolded a point for you in our chat and in, in our in our discussion online, but I'll kind of you know. But uh, uh, what do you think about a Big Twelve, a Pac twelve uh, type opponent? If we again, you're only going to get one. You're probably not going to get one from each league, but if you could pick one out of the Big Twelve or the Pac twelve, would you have somebody you'd really like to see us play? Yeah, um, so I know in your Big 12, you mentioned Texas, Oklahoma, and Iowa State. Um, assuming, again, we get one of those three from the ACC, you're already probably going to have a top 10 team in one of those between Louisville, Notre Dame, and North Carolina. Um, I actually picked somebody from the Big 12 I thought was, which wasn't on your list, which is Baylor. That's why. Um, yeah, Baylor, to me, you know, they they won the Big 12 last year. Yes, they won the Big 12 last year, and they're expected to be down down, I guess is in theory. Um, and they're ranked 20th right now in that um, too early Big Ten season again. And I think they have a similar story again that we talked about with Notre Dame and with us, where they've lost a lot of players, but they have a lot of players coming in from the transfer portal. portal. They have someone actually coming in from Kentucky, Missouri, and Stanford. So I think that is just like another intriguing matchup for, for me to, to see in somebody that's maybe, you know, can get us still a, a good fantastic quality win but maybe not to where we're looking at and staring down another top 10 um, team that we are with some of the other big 12 teams that are on that list yeah and the other one i was thinking i i was kind of thinking along the line of um with that you're talking about baylor the other thing there is they lost their you know kim mulkey is their coach a couple of years ago well last year was her first year at lsu so you know this will be the second season without coach mulkey in in waco but uh so i i think that's something that's similar baylor notre dame you saw muffin mcgraw retire notre dame kind of had a struggle that first year after after muffet retired but baylor didn't baylor kept kind of going along and winning well the down kind of again down maybe a top 25 team rather than the top five you know, will they kind of fall, you know, fall back in a really competitive top 12, top uh, or big 12 program or big 12 conference. I can talk here. Yeah. The one that really get jumped out at me here when I was putting this together for us was Oregon, whether it's in Bloomington or in Eugene with Sydney Parish coming to IU and just Oregon having had a pretty good program over the last couple of years. I, and, and you can also get into kind of the whole Adidas and Nike thing, but, but I really, uh, to me, I, I'd be interested in an Oregon matchup. I, I just think that the style they play, you know that they have a, they've been a pretty solid program. And that's kind of what I was looking for out of this. I wasn't looking for necessarily those top 20, 25 teams per se, but just teams that can give you quality wins. Cause I think that's going to be the other thing. You got to have enough wins, but you got to have quality wins too, to get that net in the top 16. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, for example, in the PAC 12, you're not going to want to go out and schedule Washington. That's probably not a team that, that we want to see on the schedule. Um, and then I, I, I kind of left this out kind of up in the air right now i can't find anything the sec whether we're going to play kentucky next year or not um it may have just been a two-year contract and that set last year would have been the second year um but assuming we don't play kentucky would there be anybody in the sec uh that you would be interested in playing um again um i i always like you know those those kind of historical matchups and against somebody that's maybe relatively new to um, being considered in the national spotlight so to me tennessee is is intriguing um you know they've always been thought of as the top some of the top echelon but um so you know and i like that that story there and i think they're kind of um for them rebuilding if you will <laughs> um but boy that would be a really tough matchup though i mean you, you got another top five six matchup then that you got on your schedule and do you really want that again considering the acc you know big 10 challenge so yeah. of course on paper that's you know from only looking at sec that would be one but um 
yeah what about you the other one that but um you know i guess people would want to gravitate toward is south carolina i don't think that is definitely someone i would want on the schedule next year i don't mind playing them if like we did there in a couple of years ago like it was two years ago like we played them in the virgin islands or someplace down there the bahamas and played that's fine i i i just don't necessarily like that as a matchup right now yet um I, the one that intrigued me going back to kim mulkey was lsu yeah. Um, uh, a, a chance to play another team. LSU for years was a blue blood women's program, really struggled through the last six, seven, eight years. And now Kim Mulkey is kind of putting her imprint back in there and just kind of a, a back to the, you know, kind of trying to rise back up there. Um, the other one I kind of thought about was Mississippi State. And, and Mississippi State, I know, went to the NCAA tournament, uh, the championship game or in the final four a couple years in a row. But I'm not sure they're at that level anymore. Uh, I did want to answer Joel. Uh, Joel is saying he thought we played Oregon a few years ago in the NCAA tournament. I want to say that was Grace's freshman year. I want to say it was 19 and 20. They beat us in the NCAA second round out there in Oregon, if I correct, if I recall that correctly. But Joel's right. We did play them in the NCAA tournament three or four years ago, and I can't remember which. But then um, kind of look at the rest of these, Kathy. Again, I kind of separate them in the in the notes. But um, take a look like at the Big East. Actually, yeah. I was trying to break this up a little bit, like the Big East or the American, the A-10 and, and teams I was thinking about here, a Creighton, a DePaul, mm -hmm. uh, a Dayton, um, uh, a, a South Florida, good teams, but not necessarily top 25 teams. And again, I realize we're not going to play all of them, but I just kind of want to kind of get your idea of what you thought might be good teams for us to play. Um, I think the first one that jumped off of that list for me is Creighton. Um, again, another Midwest school, they're, you know, in a, in a mid-major, but they finished really high and they had a nice little run last year in the NCAA tournament. And of course, Coach Side coming from there always adds that intriguing storyline, which obviously is something I've kind of picked up on um, this year for, for picking teams. So to me, that first one that jumped off the page um, was the Creighton team. Well, the one that intrigued me out of that list I like Dayton because it's not hard to get to Dayton and, and UD University of Dayton has been a pretty regular appearance in the NCAA tournament. So you're not losing, you're, you're going to gain something by playing them and winning that game. The one that really kind of intrigued me was DePaul. Mm -hmm. Doug Bruno has done a great job at DePaul over the years. Um, they always seem to make the NCAA tournament. They're never a top three or four seed, but they're not a 12, an 11 or 12 seed. They're usually right there at eight, nine, 10, seven to 10, somewhere in there. And so I, you know, again, maybe if you're trying to expand the recruiting a little bit and start looking into a more of a Chicago or at least a suburban Chicago, would you want to go play DePaul like in a home and home over a couple year stretch? And, and so that was, you know, I thought DePaul was one that intrigued me. Yeah. Um, the other one too, jumping off the list was Bradley. I'm sorry, not Bradley. Um, sorry, uh, Northern Iowa. Um, mm -hmm. Again, they didn't win their their conference last year but they're in the top half of the actually top three last year so again it's a it's a team that you should be able to go out and beat it gives you good experience um and it definitely is, is not something there you're just filling in the schedule either because i think that's uh, you know you want to try to avoid that uh, to make sure that you get enough quality wins to your point <coughs> excuse me but yes the dayton was the only the other one that i have on my list and then you take you talked about Northern Iowa, Bradley, and the Missouri Valley, and expand that out to the Mid American. Maybe now you play somebody two two times at your place, once at their place. So you kind of do a two for one deal. Um, at least that's what they do a lot of time on the men's side. I got a feeling that's what's going to happen more and more on the women's side. Um, but I, I like the idea of getting a decent MAC team. The problem with the MAC and the Valley is it, it's you may get to thinking you're like Buffalo was one that I kind of looked at in the Mac that I think has won the uh, Mac tournament three out of the last five years or something similar, but they might drop off. And now all of a sudden they're sixth or seventh in the, you know, not likely, but could happen where they dropped to sixth or seventh in the Mac. And all of a sudden a team you thought was going to be pr looking pretty good for your net ends up not being as good from that standpoint. So I, I kind of like that, but then kind of throw that in there, Kathy, what about some of the other Indiana schools? And I think this is where when you're IU and you've, you've made that jump into the top 15 kind of consistently here over the last three, four years. Um, do you still try to schedule a ball state? And we kind of had this discussion again on AC radio a few weeks, a ball state a Valpo and Evansville and Indiana state. Do you still try to schedule them, even though, you know, it may not help 
net wise because they're just going to probably be so low on 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 where they are in the net but is there benefit to playing at least one indiana team have one indiana team non-power indiana team you're obviously playing purdue anyway we could play notre dame in the big 10 challenge but just you know one of those mid-american missouri valley type schools in, in in the state is there value to playing them yeah you know i i think there is jeff and especially in this coming year Back to my earlier comment, I, I, my biggest question mark and concern going into next year is just the chemistry of the team and playing a team that um, maybe uh, again on paper and early on, like a ball state perhaps would be one that would jump up because they're not, you know, at the bottom of their half of their conference, they're in the top half, at least they were last year. Um, and then, of course, you have Indiana State, where Coach Morin came from. Um, so you have a couple of, you know, options there. I don't know where Indiana State really finished, um, where they're at in their conference ranking. So maybe you can find a team like that that's in state that's not, perhaps, um, you know, bottom of the conference. So it doesn't necessarily hurt you per se, or not. You you know what I mean? It, it wouldn't exactly bolster your net, as you said. But I think you just have to make sure you get some of those more cupcake type teams to make sure we have a chance to work on team chemistry in a game type atmosphere. And my other concern is that our bench, we have to get some of our other players a chance to play in some of those games as well. So that maybe we can grow that bench and give the, those, you know, those ladies that are sitting a little farther down a chance to start getting the, that experience. And, and I may be off on this a little bit. I'm kind of using some, maybe some of the men's numbers. Let's assume you've got 29 games, 18 in the big 10, so that leaves you 11 non-conference. How many of those 11, assuming you're going to, you, you know, you're going to play in the Big Ten Challenge, so that's one. How many of those 11 would you like to see be against, say, top 50 type net teams? Top 50? Oh. Say top 75. Sure. Um, out of 11, I would say at least six, right? Um, I would say five, five yeah, or six. Five, six, somewhere in there. Um, because again, you don't want to fill your, your schedule up too much with these types of teams that, you know, like we did, we did have some of these tough games last year with NC State early on and, and um, down the Bahamas and um, Stanford, right? With the other team we played last year? Miami. 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 Thank you. North Carolina State was the challenge game in Bloomington. Yes. But it was pretty much right back to back. They went down there and I think they went uh stanford miami and stanford North and miami yes so i mean you you want to get a good number of those in there um but gosh you have to get the some balance with you know some more medium and you know for lack of a better word those cupcake teams i, I think that's just really important okay so ari's telling us here in the chat that he thinks it's it's 13 so oh. now definitely i want six you right. know, six maybe seven and the other thing i would say i want to get your opinion on this then the others maybe one or two out of those other six, maybe below 200 on the net. Right. I want the others. I want those other four or five to be in that 75 to 150 range. Yeah. I'm, I'm exactly with you. I, I mean, you don't want to have too many, but you need to have at least a couple in there that are, you know, um, again, looking back at our schedule and stuff. And then you have some surprising ones, right? Like we went into Quinnipiac last year thinking that was going to be a really easy game and um, went on the road there in Connecticut for um, giving Mac a chance to go closer back to her hometown and, um, uh, you know, really didn't squeak that out until the end. So you could have some surprising there too. And I think those are good um, for the team to work through and to learn and grow from them. Well, I think one thing that we found out last year uh, in the NCAA tournament, Kathy, is with with Princeton is some of those lower level Division One teams that only get one bid, like a Quinnipiac, they are actually pretty good. You know, there's there everybody assumes they're not because it's just not a name you know in the women's programs. But that I remember talking with Grace a little bit about Quinnipiac before they went out and played them, and she's like, "Hey, they're better than people think. You know, I they're just going, they're going by their name." Um, speaking of which, I, Joel brings up also in the chat, we did play Butler last year, so we did have an Indiana school on the schedule. Will be interesting, Joel, to see if Butler comes to Bloomington this year. Um, I know that game up at Butler was not BTN Plus or anything; we, nobody was able to really watch it. It was on Flow Sports. <laughs> yeah, something like yeah, yeah. Like, what yeah. Is this? <laughs> yeah, and so, um, but you know, so in between out of thirteen, but I'm with you. I think you need about half in that top. 50 to 75 net 
Yeah. You, know, you don't want to go overboard. I wouldn't say they all need to be top 25. I don't think we're quite to that point. I don't even think most teams are. I don't think UConn is going to play five teams in the top 25 you know, right. every year on their, on their non-conference schedule. So, um, and maybe they can a little bit because, you know, and that's the other thing now we discussed, especially you and I who've had a chance to be on with the AC guys, with AC radio guys on the men's side, you know, sometimes the league doesn't do you any favors. If the league isn't as good as it's been the last two or three years, you won't have as many opportunities for those quad one type wins inside the league. So maybe you need to be a little more aggressive in scheduling in the non-conference and, you know, knowing you're going to be competitive enough to win. So again, I realize a lot of this is speculation. Everybody's like, why are we talking about schedule in June? Well, you know, just something fun to talk about. (laughs) Yeah. And something fun to talk about. So Kathy, anything else you want to add about scheduling? Nope, I don't think so. Not for now. Hopefully, right. we'll start seeing something trickle out. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, and of course, watch. You know, we'll see. It'll come like in bunches. Um, so let's go to the mailbag. Um, and let's start with one from Jared, our friend Jared Morris. And Jared, Kathy, I'm going to throw it to you first. I'm curious how you envision the style of play changing, if at all. Uh, let me restart that. Jared's question. I'm curious how you will envision the style of playing change, if at all, with the new personnel. Will this be a more offensively capable team, but perhaps less able to grind out gritty wins? Um, I okay, yeah. So I do think that it will be more offense. And back to your comment as well. I think it is going to be more offensively capable um, than than what we saw last year again. Not that our team wasn't offensively capable last year, but there were definitely times where our offense ground to a halt and we went on long scoring droughts. I really think in particular with Sarah Scalia coming in um, that we're really going to have a lot less of those and be able to open up the the floor a lot more with her on it. Um, and I, I, I do think that, um, you know, we have Sydney Parrish coming in and she was a scorer too. So I, I think we're definitely going to see that on the offensive side. Um, in terms of style of play, I still think Coach Morin will be um, defensive first. But to your point, maybe we give a little bit on defense um, and not quite as grinded out and keep them to 60 points or less. But those are my, my first takes. Yeah, and answering Jared's question from my side, I agree with you. I think we'll see. I think the shooting will be better. I think one that we haven't talked a lot about yet, and we're going to save for a little bit later in the summer as we talk about some of the other returners. Uh, I think Chloe Moore. I think Chloe Moore McNeil will also improve her three point shooting. She showed toward the end of the season that she was getting a little more confidence in that shot. And I think she didn't necessarily have to be a 38, 40% shooter. If she can just make 34, 35% with her first step, that's going to open up things. And then also you, you've got to try and eliminate some of the double team action that you're going to see either on McKenzie or Grace, depending upon who's on the floor and who has the hot hand. Um, but I agree with you about Scalia. I agree with you about Parrish. Um, I would be shocked if Grace Berger isn't working more on a three-point game right yeah. now in the summertime. I think she knows – I'm not saying she's told me this. I just think she, as a competitor, I think she knows if she wants to make that jump to the next level of the WNBA, uh, for example, that she needs to have a little bit more range to the game uh, that she, she she can show them. Um, I think that's the other thing. I, I still think we can grind out wins. I think that's always going to be – I'll be surprised if they lose that part of the identity. I just think that the grind it out is going to be more – 7369 yeah. rather than 5956. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah. Um yeah, and to you know back to our point with um with Scalia coming in if Grace can, you know, continue of course with her mid-range but then, you know, expand her range a little bit, Sydney come in, I think that's just going to open things up for McKenzie underneath as well. And hopefully mm-hmm. she won't be quite as double teamed um as she was last year. And the one thing that helps McKenzie get away from some of the double team is she showed last year, very, very small yeah. sample size, but she was going outside and shooting and hitting threes. I would, again, I would imagine that she's got to have a little bit more of that for that next level as well, even though she'll be a post player, probably, but a post at the, at the pro level who can step out and knock that shot down once in a while is going to have some value for that. And so I'm sure they um, just really are looking at, you know, those are things they're trying to work on. So, Um, We'll thank Jared for his question from the community. And these questions did come from our community uh, at assemblycall.com, where you can uh, also join up. And I'll give you that information a little bit later. 
now, Kathy, I'm going to break it down. One of our work, one of our dedicated workaholics here, Quang, asked <laughs> kind of a series of questions that I just turned like into a five-parter. Like five because Quang was like, you know, he's like, here's a question. Here's a question. So we'll just try to take them all kind of. Number one, Kathy, and I'll go with, we'll kind of break it down. Will Coach Morin yeah. go deeper on the bench this season? Um, yes, I, I think so. I think she has, A, the players to do it. And two, I think we have to, if we really want to make a, a deep run um, into the tournament and come March, you're going to have to get a deeper bench than what we had last year. I agree. I think she has to find a way to get to eight consistently for us to go a little bit, to make that deep, to make that final run to the yep. final four. I think that's something that, you know, they have to be deeper because you never know when foul trouble or an injury comes into play. And that's where the depth really has to get developed a little bit more. Number two, who will be the defensive stopper? We mentioned Nikki graduating. Alexa yep. was a defensive player. Alex, who will be the defensive stopper? You know, that, that's, that's, a, that was a hard question for me. I saw that and I'm, I'm not really quite sure where to go. I think you can go a number of ways. In theory, I think you could say Grace can step up and, and do that as the leader, knowing that this team hangs their hat on defense um, and really um, exhibit that. Um, you know, who else kind of intrigues me to potentially fill that is Chloe Morbignon. Um, I think she has great lengths um, and she was showing her defense was improving, I think, as the year went on last year. So Chloe to me is definitely one that is right up there in the, that came to the top of my mind. It's hard to know though with the transfers because I haven't seen them um, really play. So I don't know how they are on defense. Of course, anytime a video clips you see of people, most of the time it's on their offense. So I really don't know um, where they might fit in. So I'm, I'm not gonna comment on them. Yeah, I, I think I think Grace would want to do it. I think Grace would want the challenge of saying, I'm going to go out and guard the other team's best player or, or a, a score. But I'm with you. I think right now with what we know, Chloe Moore McNeil is that person who can be the defensive stopper. But I will also say this. I think we'll have to maybe get used to the idea that there isn't a true Nikki-type defender on this team, that you can just say, go guard the other team's ball handler and really disrupt everything. I think it's going to be much more of – a off the ball defensive system where I think you'll see it. And to me, that's where a Sydney Parish, when I saw her in high school, I thought I had one of the highest basketball IQs. I think that's where I think you see a Sydney Parish baby thrive a little bit, just like Grace has jump a passing lane, be in the right spot, you know, anticipate a pass and be able to create some havoc or a turnover that way. So I, but I, right now I'm with you. I, I would say Chloe, but I, yeah. I'm not sure. I, I would also say, I'm not sure we'll have, a true defensive stopper. Yeah. We've been kind of seeing this in the chat with the workaholics. Will the three-point shooting be better? Yeah, I, I think so. I think just the addition of Sarah Scalia alone, um, you know, is going to probably help our defense come on. Um, but not just, you know, her coming in and shooting whatever the 500,000% that she shot last year against us, right, um, when she was up in Minnesota. Um, I, I think Chloe um, as well showed some some signs last year. And so she could just be a little more consistent. Uh, I, I think she's one that can really help us on the three-point side, too. Well, and Parrish was a, was a mid 30% type shooter at Oregon. I think she'll yep. have a little better uh, shooting uh, here in Indiana. Uh, that's maybe more hope than factual, but um, I, I, I agree with you about Chloe. I agree about Scalia. I, I also, I think Grace has to shoot more and she has, and hopefully obviously hit more. So, but if Grace Berger just hits 30% based over what she's done before, then th that again opens up a ton of things for this offense. Right. Absolutely. Um, Quang wanted to go. We want to know who he thought would start. I think sure. we discussed this, tried to discuss this a couple weeks, a few weeks ago with Seth Town. Last, last week we talked. Even it. last week. We'll see uh, if we change our. Where were you, Quang? <laughs> Quang was too busy in the chat. He wasn't listening to us. <laughs> um, okay. So who did we say? I think we um, had four players that we for sure penciled in as the four that we thought, which were McKenzie, um, Grace, Sydney, um, Parrish, and then Sarah Scalia, right? Mm -hmm. I think those yes. were the four. And then in that fifth spot, we were leaning towards Alyssa Gary, um, but we also said perhaps freshman um, Yarden Garzon might maybe surprisingly sneak people in just because of her experience in the European League and how you know she might be with that. So I think that's where we were, we kind of landed. Have you deviated from that? 
No, and I, I think those are probably who you'll see at least initially until we get a better idea. Bargasser, I think, is still one that it will be interesting to see where she is uh -huh. with her knee injury. Um, and then getting Gary in the portal probably gives, um, uh, I'm forgetting the girl from um, Meisner. The girl yeah. from Minnesota, Meisner, probably gives her a chance to, to learn off the bench a little bit more than she would have if we hadn't picked up an Alyssa Gary in the portal right. and had Alexa not come back. So, um, but I, I, I think those, we know the four solid, I think those four that we talked about are solid. This just a matter of where do you go with the Chloe Moore McNeil's, the veteran yeah. returning, or do you go with the youngster out of Israel, uh, Yarden, as, you know, as the fifth starter. Yeah. And then and last. And Joel does point out in the ch chat, his vote would be for Chloe Moore McNeil, I think for that fifth spot because coach Moore and winning defense. And I can totally see that, that route as well. So I think that last fifth spot is probably open. Um, in, I don't know, Jeff, do you think, and again, I'm not, I can't remember off the top of my head, but does coach Moore, she tends to stick with the same starting five throughout the year. So I don't think it'll change once we kind of see it, but um, I think there's a number of ways to go. Generally, and the one person I think that we won't, that we kind of neglected to mention is Keandra Brown. And, yeah. and I think coming back from her hip injury, she will be better and she'll be obviously able to play more. But I just don't know if there's a place for her other than as five. I, you know, she's, and right now that's max spot. Right. I don't see Keandra being at least a four. You know, I don't think we're going to play a double post type offense. I could be wrong. Um, but I, so I just don't see where Keandra fits into the starting lineup. I think she can play lots of minutes, but I just, you know, significant minutes, but I just don't know if she's going to start with the group that we have currently. And then last but not least for Quang, who will make the biggest jump in ability opinion um, here? Yes. My opinion, again, I have no idea about freshmen coming in. I can't speak to them and how they're going to, and I don't know enough about the transfers. So I'm going only with the returning players <laughs> and um, I'm going with Chloe Moore McNeil for my most improved. I, I, I think the growth we saw from her last year, from the time that she really started getting a lot of playing time, I hope that springboards her and her confidence into the off season to really put in the work um, that, that it's going to need to, to springboard her um, into our most improved player. So that's who I am expecting um, for our biggest growth. Dark horse for me, Caitlin Peterson. I, I oh, you just did mine. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I should have just stopped after my. No, you're fine. Keep going. <laughs> so no, keep Caitlin going. is my dark horse with that, just because we didn't see much of her last year. But when we did, every once in a while, we saw flashes that I think she could be something really special. So, um, yeah, Caitlin um, could be my other one. I was going to go with Peterson just from the standpoint, I think, not saying that Chloe isn't going to make another big jump, but we've seen a little bit of what Chloe can do. Right. We haven't seen that from Caitlin Peterson. She was a decent recruit. It wasn't like she was a no-star, one-star type recruit. She was a de considered yeah. a decent recruit, uh, had had a really good career down in Alabama high school, but really struggled last year fitting into the system. So I'm going to go with Caitlin Peterson here. I, that doesn't mean she's going to all of a sudden average 15, but I just think people are going to get an idea of what she's capable of doing going forward uh, as we go through next year. Um, so those were Quang's five-part question. And then mm -hmm. last but not least here, Kathy, and this was an, I thought was a really good question from Tony Stuckey as well. Mm -hmm. um, as the women's game in the NCAA tournament continues to grow, do you think we will soon see any effort to place first and second round games in more neutral sites and by extension, make sure regional sites are picked so you don't have necess necessity of putting any given team in their own backyard? Um, I don't know Tony's definition of soon. Um, so within the five next five years, I could see that in the next five years. If you know the, the popularity of women's basketball, um, continue to grow as it as it has been the last, especially the last couple of years. I can see that they'll they'll eventually do that. I mean, again, the men's um, game was the same way. They used to have teams hosting, and eventually they went to to neutral sites, um, so that they're not in their own backyard. I don't even think the men do that. Like the number one overall seed, they usually get preferential treatment for geography, at least in that those first that first opening yep. weekends. Um, so I think. Um, well, even at the regional level, the number one yeah. seeds usually get. Yep. Yeah. Oh, and just as an update, Arias told us the regionals are going down to two sites. Yeah. 
this year. So yeah, yeah but I assume we were open and talking about just the opening weekends, right? Well, with that, and I was going to bring that into the discussion a little bit that next year, for some reason, I don't think the men are doing this. And uh, maybe Ari can answer us in the chat. But the women are going to two regional sites. There will be eight teams at each regional next year. Still be kind of the format that we're used to as far as two, you know, two regionals in terms of, you know, those four teams, this four team, you know. But I wonder if they think that's a cost cutting move or what. But um, that's I thought. But I, I'm with you. I think they eventually will get to that first and second round being taken off campus. But. I'm not sure how soon it will be. I, if it's within the next five years, great. I think it will help the growth of the game. But right now, you also still need kind of the draw of those, as we've talked about a couple of times, those blue bloods like UConn, like a Stanford, like a, a, um, uh, go back here to a, a South Carolina, yeah. like a, like a, a you know a Louisville, those types of blue bloods that can draw and get good gates and good crowds for those first and second, you know, round games. So I'm not sure it'll be within the next five years. I really think that will help the women's game take off when it becomes that, that, that sophisticated to where they can be doing that. But it's a fine line there. You don't want to tell, you know, you definitely don't want to lose some of the revenue you're getting from the homeschools being, you know, putting in like IU great crowds this year when we played in Bloomington. So. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. we um, saw what Iowa did with them hosting as well, selling out. So, yeah. yeah. So you got anything else you want to talk about? No, gosh, you know, for an off season show, this is one of our longest. <laughs> That's probably my fault. Uh, no, the host, I, yeah. I was pretty verbose there myself. So, <laughs> so as we get ready for last call, uh, we want to remind your fans, we'll be off for the next couple of weeks, life events coming in here for Kathy and I. So we'll be off for the next couple of weeks, watch Twitter and the assembly call community page to see when our next show will be. We're kind of targeting right now, early July, early to mid July for our next show. Um, AC radio is scheduled to be on their regular show tomorrow night at nine Eastern eight central. They had something come up last week, literally almost at the last minute that they had to cancel. So for anybody who thought that there wasn't a, they missed a show last week, it got canceled right at the last minute. Also in the community, there's an ongoing discussion for our fans who haven't seen this uh, with Patrick Kent, a.k.a. Elbows In, who is one of the directors at Open Doors. Uh, they're, they're, they're really big in this NIL and really helping guide IU through the NIL, some of the NIL issues, especially with what the university can do, how to educate the athletes. Uh, you can ask him questions about NIL and collectives, and he'll respond to those this week. He's been doing a great job there. Um, so just a couple things there to point out with that. And then, like I said, Kathy, got any final thoughts that you want to throw in there about scheduling or anything that we just talked about? No, no, I don't think I have anything left to add on to all that, Jeff. I'm just excited to see the schedule, I think. <laughs> and then we can really talk about it in earnest. And yeah, I think later on this year, we're planning on, you know, getting into more in depth of the, the big 10 teams for sure. Um, we'll start looking at the schedule and breaking those down as well. But no, I'm excited. I'm excited about the two early big uh, top 25 and, you know, cracking that top 15. And hopefully that gives them good incentive um, to really, to, I think all the players are there now too, right? Yes. Um, in, in town on campus. So hopefully they're all gelling and, and looking at some of those rankings and um, playing and getting, getting that chemistry down. So no, I don't, I don't really have anything else. <laughs> if you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, like we've had a really excellent chat with the workaholics here tonight, Joel, Denny, Quang, Tony, among others, Ari, uh, thank you for participating. Uh, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall.com. And also make sure you sign up for our free IU Hoops newsletter, our email newsletter. We have almost 10,000, probably just over 10,000 subscribers now of your fellow IU fans. So join for free today at join.assemblycall.com. That's join.assemblycall.com. Special thanks to John Ringer of rigdesign.com for designing our logo. And to thank all of you for listening. We'll be back soon or sometime next month to talk IU Hoops again with you. Until then, keep your elbows in, your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers. Nice job. Nice job is right. It was. That went a little longer than I thought we would. That went way longer than I thought it was. <laughs> yeah. So. I'm I'm with a Quang has evidently going got a big trip coming up too. So 
Um, I those... see he's going to the Madison Regatta. If you call that a big. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even really still have the Regatta Quang. I didn't either. I don't even know what that is. So it's speed. It's 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 high. It's speedboat racing. Oh, and, you know, okay. That would be why I don't know what it is. Yeah. So down on the aisle. For those of you that are are um, still listening, I'm. Um, I, I'm going to India for work starting next week for like two weeks. So that's why um, no, sh no show for a couple of weeks. And I'll probably need uh, a week to figure out what time zone I'm on, Jeff. So maybe <laughs> not the first week in July. <laughs> no, and, and plus that's kind of the 4th of July in there as well. And I'm going at the end of June to, I got some family things and we got baseball <laughs> with my son, travel ball and stuff. So it, it's just hectic right now, but we'll kind of get back. Maybe like, I, I want to say it's like July 13th. So that second yeah. Wednesday. Yep, that that'll work. Wednesday in July. So uh, for all of our fans, don't don't go away on us. We just have to take care of some life events that, yeah. you know, uh, for us. And, and and honestly, right now it is kind of a slow time. I mean, we talked about yeah. way too early top 25 and a little bit of scheduling, but uh, they're just other than the few things we talked about at the beginning news wise, it's, it's really kind of a slow, slow period right now. So um just hopefully you'll all be back with us in July and we'll, we'll pick it up there and see what we're doing. We just want to, we want to reward all of our listeners who stuck with us through and, you know, been with us since the beginning. We didn't want to just go the entire summer with no, no broadcast. So the entire off season. So, yeah. So we want to, we want everybody to stay engaged.